that's okay. Um, but my mom pushed back, and I ended up in gifted class instead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Teach their own. Exactly. <laughs> but ever since then, I was, you know, when we got to the agency, you know, I, I, want, I had Spanish. I was like, I can pick Japanese right back up. I had enough of it, and that was my interest. And then Andy has Chinese. And his, um, he has a degree in uh, East Asian studies. And so we had this common interest in that region and in working the targets in that region. So it was natural for us to eventually end up working the same targets. I don't think we were ever at the same time in the same office, but that doesn't mean that we weren't working the same targets if that makes sense like um for example they'll have a regional office that will do asia but then they'll have another office that does a subject matter like counter proliferation mm -hmm. right so you can be have two people one in a regional office one in counter proliferation and then they overlap because counter proliferation happens everywhere in the world so that's how it ended up happening and where are you guys at at this point? Like, where is the CIA headquarters? Like, that you guys, where's the building that you guys are working at? So, we were in Langley at the main okay, okay. headquarters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we were there for quite some time before, you know, doing TDYs and things like that. So. And how long was it before you guys actually went out into the field and went to Asia together? So, we. And where did you guys go to China? Uh, we. I. I you don't can't think, say? Yeah, we can't say the exact location. Oh, Asia. Okay. <laughs> Asia, okay. Um, but we did a number of TDYs separately. Um, so we had started traveling for the agency almost as soon as we joined. Oh, okay. Right, like he, him going, you know, I would go one country, he would go another country d at different times as the office, as the mission dictated. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, eventually I, I knew that I wanted to be assigned overseas, um, for a longer period of time. So I started, you know, just putting a little bug in my manager's ear, like I will go literally anywhere. Um, I was like, Ulaanbaatar, I don't care. Like just send me overseas. Um, I wanted the excitement of being in the field because it's the work is different, right? Like headquarters work is slower field work. Like you are on the ground real time, like stuff happens, you know, like, um, where we were, there was a, like a small terrorist attack while we were assigned there, you know, and I'm like, it's action like stuff is happening real time like i'm working with the foreign service there um you know it's just incredible so we i think we were together i think we were together three years um before we were sent out for a long assignment and that was it was amazing what is it about about Asia and those cultures that excite you or interest you? So I think a lot of it has to do with my childhood. Just the fact that I, because my first memories are of Japan mm -hmm. and because my 
parents are Buddhist. So even when we came back, that culture continued. Um, it's just comfortable for me. I like, so I, I definitely feel American. I am definitely Americanized, but I also have this very strong, like I understand the, the culture of putting your community before yourself, which is very Asian, right? Like Americans mm. are very independent. Um, you usually put yourself before others. But in Asia, like when, like when coronavirus started, these, you know, really cool gadgets and everybody knows how to do Kung Fu. <laughs> like everybody knows five languages. Um, you know, everybody was cool and good looking and it was really... I'm I'm a huge fan of James Bond, so I really was like, this is the agency. Once I got there, I realized it's it's a diverse place. And one of the biggest things that really hit me when I got to the agency is how many different jobs there actually are. So all the movies are about the exciting case officer, right? The James Bond, um, the Ethan Hunt. But you get there and there are HR people. There are people who clean the waste baskets. There are, you know, cooks. There are analysts. There are mechanics. There are graphic designers. There are... Really? Yes. Like, there's a print shop there. People work that, you know, like there are IT people. So it's just like any other... It was... It was insane, like, how cool it was to walk in and to see the seal and you have to get past the guards with your special badge and all of that felt super cool. But you walk in and it's cubicles (laughs) and people doing, like, a plethora of different jobs like any other business, like any other government organization to keep it running. You just happen to work on things that are super cool that most people don't know about. And that's what I enjoyed the most was kind of having this insider insight into world events that I was already interested in. And then I had an even, even more of an insider perspective where I was like, this is really cool and I can affect things in a way, even if a small way that nobody will ever know about. And for me being behind the scenes is huge. Like I love being behind the scenes. Like, Affecting somebody that nobody ever knows I even touched. That's that makes me feel good, right? Mm-hmm. I see the end result and I'm like, boom, I did that. Great. So now when you got there, did you get to sort of choose the path that you took or did they do that for you? So in the interview process um that I went through, um, I was uh I was going for, they have different tracks. Mm -hmm. So I was going for a certain track and there were like three different job descriptions that I could go for. Um, I picked one, I entered, I decided shortly after they have a a really long orientation period and then a really long training period. So I decided, um, I originally was a desk officer and I decided that targeting was a better fit for me. When I entered in 2007, targeting was brand new. They had just started it. It used to be that case officers themselves 
would do that kind of work. They would be the ones that found targets and figured out how to approach them. But it really wasn't efficient for them to be doing that. They really need to be out in the field Mm -hmm. meeting people. So they created an entire job description for people who specialized in finding who they were going to meet. So then all they have to do is spend an hour with me. And I say, this is the guy. Here's his photo. Here's his family. Here's everything we know about him. He's going to be at this place at this time. He likes this kind of stuff. Go, you know, go meet him and be friends. At least spend an hour with me. It saves them a ton of time. Um, I can go much more in depth because I'm interested um, than the case officer would be able to because they have a million other things going on. So, um, yeah, so for me, I was able to change tracks during the training period and then be certified as a targeter. Okay. And then how did you meet Andrew initially? (laughs) Were Were you guys both training or? We were in orientation together. So they enter everybody, no matter what their track is, um, together. And then that's when they do all the HR stuff, right? Like here's how your health insurance works Mm. and here, how's your, you know, how your paycheck works. (laughs) Like make sure you sign up for medical benefits, all those, the intro stuff, um, that you don't think about happening at the CIA. <laughs> um, so we met, I think I, I noticed him after the first week and he was always, uh, seated between two females. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but I decided, wow. yeah, I saw him from a distance and I was like, I'm going to meet that guy. And so it took me about three weeks to get a seat next to him and start up a conversation um, and he was great. As soon as I introduced myself, he was like, do you want to go out on a date Wednesday? I was like, yes, yes, I would. Wow. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was great. So um, the bummer for him was I was dealing with um, an anxiety disorder at the time that had just kind of, I'd had it for about six months undiagnosed. Um, so I was having all this anxiety constantly and it was making me really physically ill And um, so he asked me out on the date. The night of the date, he called me to ask directions to my house. And I was like, I was throwing up. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I can't go. He's like, are you like, do you want coffee instead? Do you want? He kept trying, trying, you know, and I'm like, I just can't. And that was the very end of our orientation. I was like, I can never see this guy again. Like, he makes me throw up. I have too much anxiety. I like him too much. I was like, this sucks. Like, I'm never going to see him again. So then we spent, like, I think a a month working on the same floor in our offices, completely avoiding each other until I bumped into him at a staff meeting. And then I was like... How old were you? I was 27. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense, and I was. It, he was a very patient man because we had a lot of tea dates. <laughs> when mm. I was like, I'm really nauseous right now. <laughs> like, you make me so nervous. <laughs> now, now, this like it, it it parlayed into you guys eventually working together, like right as a team. Yes. And that was that like before. Because your habits create your character, and your character determines your destiny. 
as we learn from our mutual mentor, you know what I'm saying? Like, success will take you there, but your character, your gifts and talents will take you there, but your character will keep you there. But it all starts right here inside the mind, so we got to have a strong belief system. Because I remember when we used to school, you would see the little posters that say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Bro, that's facts. That was a bar. We thought it was corny. We thought it was cliche, but that's real. That's real. So when I began to believe I could do these type of numbers, when I began to believe I could travel the world, bro, my wife looking for homes down in South Africa. I was like, boo, come on, boo. She's like, oh, you don't believe? I was like, I have to check myself. Like, bro, don't be a hypocrite. Like, do you believe? People got to believe. And so to everybody that's watched us, everybody that's listening right now, like, I need to believe in that power, that purpose, that potential, that society. You God has an amazing plan for your life if you believe. What do I look like trying to, trying to determine where my life's going to go. I ain't that smart. I ain't that talented. People talk about a five to 10 year plan. That makes sense. And it sounds good. But for me, I'm not even smart enough to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Right? That's why I wake up at 5 a.m. and I seek the face of God. Like, what you want me to do? What you think is the best play? And then I run that play. Like, that's how people can go to the next level. So it starts with the belief system. And then you got to put that work in every single day. Because my brother Brian, not here no more. And if he was here, he'd be putting that work in. So I felt what I look like feeling tired, what I look like feeling lazy, what I look like talking about what's not comfortable to me. Comfort don't pay bills. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be willing to put that work in every single day. So let's go get in. Let's be great. Listen, can't close it on no better than that, yeah. man. Do me a favor. Make sure you follow Jeremy Anderson. Okay. Shoot him. My team will literally, you'll bring us on, you'll give us our retainer, and we will literally... Make somebody a quarter million dollars in a month off of like a $5,000 ad spend. And we would consistently do that to the point where I was just like, yo, why are we making everybody else all this money? We're only getting this. I don't really want to partner with them. So how about I just continue the clients we have, keep those going, and let me focus on my own products, my own, my own, hire myself as a, as a client. Mm. And, um, and then focus on partnerships with different influencers or celebrities and things like that, but only really pick the right people. So that birthed the company, that was our technologies where we built out a technology, but now we're going to do this same structure on testing out hundreds of products, seeing what float to the top. Once we know what floats to the top, we're going to take that and we're going to pick an influencer and we're going to match them up with a product. And we're going to make the next Kali Jenna with the next Kali, Kali Cosmetics. And then the next component to that it's called Social Seed. Well, we change the way that your favorite, that your most, um, we change the way that fans support their favorite influencer. Okay. So we're going to make it where <clears throat> your top 1,000 fans could invest in your product before launch. Dang. Goodness gracious. Okay, first off, so you're part of influencers. I just got over a hundred thousand, so I'm telling you, you, you influence you there. So we we can put something together. We can partner. You know, I got to run it through the team. 
That means uh, I'm gonna need that retainer. Regardless, <laughs> brother. Not ours. No. Cool we are. Give me that retainer. I, I respect it though because if we can, you make quarter million dollars in a month. Like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, it's easy. But you'll be surprised how easy it is. People think once you have the data, you can do whatever you want with that data. Mm-hmm. You can literally take lookalike audience, which is basically. When somebody buy your product, you can have a hundred people that purchase. And what it tells Facebook is, hey, Facebook, take all that information. They put it all in one little bundle and then they see what all this, what all attributes do they have that's similar. And then they go and look at your interests, see what you're interested in, who are you following? And they go follow, they go find more people that look just like that. So if you like Pretty Ricky, David Shans, and Jordan shoes, and you purchase from Spectacular, then 9 out of 10, if you find people that like those three things, 9 out of 10, they're going to like me too. Gotcha, gotcha. So they'll put that 100 people in the bucket and go find a million more people that's just like that. And once you find a million more people like that and you put your same as that product right in front of them, Sell skyrocket. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I wanna I, I I wanna I wanna like go go back and then get back to where we are, but pretty Ricky. Mm-hmm. How old were you when y'all started? And how did y'all start? How did y'all pretty Ricky? Are y'all real friends or somebody put that together put put y'all together? Nah, we family, man. Like real blood family or Diamond is my bro brother. Baby Blue, I keep calling my government, my bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Blue is your blood brother. Yeah. Your blood brother. Yeah. Same, same yeah. parents. Same mom, same dad. Oh, wow. And then Slick is my cousin. And then Pee, we knew him for so long, we call him a brother. But, you know, that's a childhood friend. Mm-hmm. So we already had, like, chemistry. I literally never wanted to be a rapper. Really? I got forced to be a rapper. What did you want to do before this whole... I, I just wanted to be an entertainer. I used to just be in a dance group, dancing on stage, having fun. Like, And it's great we, we did the interview in Miami, mm-hmm. right? Because in Miami, they call it dancing, booty shaking. That's what they call it, booty mm-hmm. shaking. And that's all I cared about was dancing on stage. I used to dance in front of 3,000 Fans, uh, they call it the Omni, the National Guard, Martin Luther King Parade. I was always on stages. So my dad used to see me. Hold on, you were always on stages doing what? Dancing. I used to be in the dance group. Like dancing so you were in the dance group? Yeah. So what this Talent wasn't, shows, this wasn't dance a hobby. This, is just, this ain't something you just like to do. Like you were actually competing. Yeah, we compete. Yeah, we did all that. We so did. how'd you put the dance group together? Were, were your brother, was your, was, was Pretty Ricky a dance group first? Or no, so, you was so it was something I was doing. And right. then Blue seen what I was doing and he jumped in. He was in the dance group mm-hmm. too. He wasn't the best, but you know, he could, he, <laughs> he had a little solo that he could do. He could make the crowd get on their right, feet. Right. So we was in a group called Baby Forever Nasty. Baby Forever Nasty. Yeah. That was the name of the group? That was the name of the group. And we was all, like, in in middle school, 
<laughs> we was all in middle school and even elementary and fifth grade because the 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 main group name was Forever Nasty. And they they was the group that was teaching us. So we was baby Forever Nasty. How old was the Forever Nasty group? They was like, they was in high school. And some was out of high school, like just out of high school. Forever nasty. And then y'all's baby. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So what did they end up doing? Anything? Do you know do you still know those guys, those people? Yeah, actually, one of the main people that taught me how to do dance routines and everything literally reached out to me the other day and asked me to mentor them. Really? Yeah, that, it wins. 360. Interesting. You paying me after 30 days, right? You right. pay me that 30. I'm the government. I'm going to yeah. pay them that 32. I ain't coming on my pocket. The government is going to fund everything. Why would I prepay anybody, right? If the government says I'm on net 30, I'm putting Joe Schmo over here on net 32. So that's something you need to go negotiate with the contractor up front. They know. Because some people been wanting a deposit to do yeah, some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll say, oh, you know, Especially if it's I'm renting like porta potties, hand washing stations, they'll say, "Oh, I need a ten percent deposit." Well, 2011, I ain't had it, right? So I had to communicate, "Hey, this is gonna be a federal government contract. Yeah. Work with me here. You gonna get your money. It's coming from." And that's okay. That's gotcha. the key, man. If you can't speak to people, I mean, they won't shake and move. They'll just go their own Gosh. SOPs. Now, when I have the actual contract in hand. That's like liquid currency. Yeah. Yeah, look, it's real. Yeah, I'm going to leverage it. This is real. Look what I got going on. And then they, you know, jump in bed with me at work. Gotcha. Give me the biggest issue, the headache, man, because it can't be as sweet as it sounds. It sounds sweet. (laughs) And I'm thinking like, dang, maybe I can get in. This the biggest headache, man. In the beginning, I don't care what type of solicitation I've ever gone for. The (laughs) headaches are making sure the subcontractors get me back their quotes in a timely manner. Remember, I'm on a time schedule. I have to have this thing submitted by May 30th. Maybe I just found the contract May the 21st. So I'm calling, calling, calling these subcontractors trying to get quotes, and they lollygagging, and then I missed my deadline. That's the hugest headache. It's not a headache once they already got the contract and they already working because they want to keep working. Half of these companies don't have a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So now when you're giving them a quote-unquote guaranteed, steady four- or five-year contract, man, that them doing the work is not a big deal. It's in the beginning stages, me getting that timing down or getting that uh, quote to me. Because right. I got to submit my paperwork on time. That's the gotcha. big, that's the hugest headache. Gotcha. That's huge, yeah. And so how, you have employees working for you? Now, yeah. And what do they do? Search one for- person sends the invoice. I know that. <laughs> yeah, one person sent all that's the invoices. That's why the first person you hire, listen, I don't want to send these invoices right. anymore. Yeah, I'm done with all that. So the invoicing, they're looking for the solicitations. I get sole source a lot now, though. So the government actually calls my company and says, hey, can you provide this product or this service? Oh, really? Yeah. Also, once you build that relationship with the government, yeah. you want I mean, I got over 40 contracts, been doing this since 2008. Like, they, my my company's name is solidified. So they just call 
my company and say, hey, can you provide us this product or this service? So I got somebody to run that, mm-hmm. the emails. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it's only I only got like four people on my team. That's all I need. Are you versed in the in like the municipality and the state as well, or are you just uh, teach you teach straight yeah, federal? Straight federal. I know the crazy thing is I know nothing about the state and local. Nothing. People come to me all the time. Well, I got this state contract. I'm like, I'm not your guy. I don't know nothing about it. it I don't even like want to get into rules it. Should apply though. But they they have like different certifications. You got to get this. You got to get a, a DB. I don't even know the stuff. It's it's just different. Mm-hmm. It's just different. I don't even want to tap into it because people come up to the federal level and they say, "I didn't think it was going to be this easy." Mm-hmm. And so I might go down to the state level and say the same thing. I'm like, "Oh." I didn't know it was going to be this easy. I just right. haven't done it. I mean, I'm in a sweet spot, right? right when you're right. good, you're good. Dang. What's that? 2008. So that's what? Uh, 13 years. Yeah, but remember, I didn't get the first one till For three like, years. Yeah, yeah so, so about about 10 years <laughs> yeah, in the game. Yeah, about 10 years. So I, I got to ask this question too, man. How did you change from... The gas station, let me get that chapstick. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> to like this extremely successful businessman. What was that transition like? Man. Did it feel like a transition or was it just gradually? That's a good question because it really didn't feel like a transition until I started to talk to my old homeboys. Right now, I could yeah. tell. Yo, I'm thinking different now. Oh, I don't even want to do that no more. Okay, why y'all keep texting me this stupid stuff? Like, that's when I started to know, okay, I'm just different now. Yeah. But it didn't feel like I was transitioning. I was just being me, just trying to learn and trying to speak to the level that I could get business with these people over here, not knowing my, my whole mindset is changing, my speech, my tone, how I walk. Even how I'm trying to think in the future, all that's changing. And they back there, you know, doing what they do. Right. This was maybe, maybe, um, had to be maybe six years ago, seven years. I don't know. I, I don't remember, but it was, it was, it was a good, it was a long time ago. But I, I leave, uh, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. I'm from Willingboro, New Jersey. And, I leave and I'm going out. You just kind of like, I'm getting into personal development. Mm. I'm building my business. I think at this point, I had left my job because I started working. I started my business in 2010 while I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. Okay, okay. And then 2012, I left. So I remember when, like, when we got out of high school, what we would do is on Friday nights, like, everybody come over, bring a bottle. And we just drink and we talk. We'll rap, mm, mm. freestyle, just freestyle, get it going. Man, you feel yeah, me? Yeah. <laughs> and, until the night. Like, when everybody gets off work, we just, you know, we're going to find a destination. We're going to go there. So long story short, I came back to Jersey. Like, I don't know what I was doing there. I may visit my, my, my aunt or something like that. And my boy was like, yo, come through. I'm like, all right, it's my, my, my yeah. man's. So I go to his house, and it was almost like deja vu, bro. Mm. It was the same exact thing that Nothing we were changed. doing years ago. <laughs> that was the moment where I'm like, yo, not better, but I'm different. Y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money 
And not knowing is though, when you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you, like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without, you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist, you know what I mean? Like, because like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where they real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm gonna tell y'all, you can actually, let's say, you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to, I want to have a partnership, and you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think. Like, as far as like, from the blogs to, the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who, who who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes money. Facing the day, they still call me. Obviously, they want some more work. One contract. That was just one. Yeah. But I got 40 of them. That's what a lot of people don't understand. You got to watch, rinse, repeat this thing. What yeah. is going on right you got now? <laughs> All right. You got to okay. watch, rinse, repeat it, man. The thing is this. There's not a lot of companies that know how to obtain federal government contracts. That's the first thing. So the federal government continues to call the same companies over and over again, even though they know you don't have a specialty. What they do know is, you can find a subcontractor that's going to do the job of the scope of work and get it done. That's what they know. Golly. Mm -hmm. How many contracts do you have right now? 40. You have 40 contracts. Yeah. Various numbers, right? They're not all yeah. 3.2. No. But they're not all only 3.2, bro. Right, right. <laughs> you feel me? Like, so nowadays, I've tapped into the real estate world and federal government contract. That's a different space. That's a whole different beast. But 30 of my contracts are four years and better. So that's that residual, you know, month after month after and month. And just, uh, just that particular isolated situation of 3.2 is spread out over four years. It's over four, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, and how do they pay it out? Every month, every 30 days. So they take 3.2 million divided by the X months, amount of months. Yeah, whatever the months And are. then they just yeah, get that I invoice, I invoice. So I see how much money I got to charge them. Every month, I hit that invoice button, boom, maybe 15 days later, in the same month, that money come through. So you send out 40 invoices every month? Yeah. Well, now, not me, but... Right, not yeah, you, yeah. yeah. But the team, yeah. That's lit. All right, <laughs> okay, so let's let's take them back. Let's take them back. Like, who is Jay White? Like, how did you get started? Man, I was working at the gas station. I was In 2008, I was working at the gas station, BP. My homeboy rolled up on me. I was 
Serving gas. The boy behind the glass? Yeah, that was me. So you pulled up on me. So everybody got a little sales, right? Right. If you're my people, I'm going to give you some free gas. You give me $20, I'm going to give you $10 worth of free gas, right? What year is this? It's 2008. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can just pull up to the tank. It ain't like now, right? You got to pay before you play. Right. Back then, you could just go to the pump and get right, it in. Right, right. Yeah, Hold so. on, we're, we're in Maryland? No, no, no. I'm from uh, Virginia. Virginia. From North, yeah. Did they pump the gas for you in Virginia? No. Because they did in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Jersey, yeah. they'll pump the gas for you. Well, that's up north, down south. Virginia ain't necessary. Virginia some, is somewhat well, we north. Well, we in Georgia, but we Virginia, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's... it's Virginia is <laughs> not necessarily considered south. It's is the it? south, baby. Yeah, it's like borderline. Because I'm saying, but DMV is uh, Delaware. Okay, Maryland, okay. So I'm yeah. below the DMV. So north, you got Northern Virginia, and then yeah. you got Tidewater. I'm from Tidewater, okay, so we right, consider. Cool. Right, like I don't know what I'm talking. about. <laughs> I know it in Virginia. Okay. All right, so you the dude behind the class. Like, yo, let me get the chapstick. You're like, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. You. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Hold on. All right, you want this one or you want that one? That's me. What sushi sushi you want? Or oh, you want the great one? All right, cool. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how did you? So he rolled up on me. Who? My homeboy. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to do federal government contract. I'm going to get a truck. I said, what's federal con? What is, it? what is that? I had no clue. He said, hit me when you get off work. I said, but I got you. Next day, my boy went to jail, actually. Went to prison. The guy. Yeah, he went to prison. The next day, I hit him up when I got off. Nothing. I hit him up the next day. His mama told me he got locked up. I'm so cool. He put the bug in my ear because he said it with such enthusiasm. I was like, yo, what is that? Like, he was hyped. He's like, I'm going to get a truck. I'm going to get a federal contract. Ooh, I'm about to do this. I'm like, man, okay, cool. So he put the bug in my ear. I did my my YouTube research back then. So I tried to piece everything together. It took me three years to win my first contract, though. So I started in 2008. I didn't win one until 2011. Dang. Yeah, I was struggling. I hate to, number one, I hate to read. I told you I got a PhD. Right. Public high school diploma. Right, right. So I don't got it all there in terms of the education. Like, okay, I, I, step one, step two, step. I ain't, I was just trying to. That actually go for makes it. me feel real comfortable because I hate research. And when I, I hate it, I, because I've I've heard of the industry and all I see is paperwork, and I'm like, yeah. this is not for me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm just the guy, you know, jump out the window, build my parachute on the way down, and I'm taking all kind of lumps. Like, I can't figure it out. I'm getting frustrated. Three years. Three years. No contracts. None. Zero. But peep game. When I went that first one, it was over. Because I started to document what I was doing. Because I was getting close. All the ones that I was losing, I noticed I was getting a little better at certain pieces. Okay. Like and my pricing is better. Right? Because at first, I might charge the government $20,000 to clean toilets. Like, I'm way off. I'm way off. But I didn't compare prices. I wasn't doing low. That's super high. The clean mm. toilets, maybe two. Like I was doing stuff like two toilet contract, twenty thousand. I want twenty thousand. Gotcha. I'm going. I'm going too hard. The federal government. I'm thinking of it as like a blank check. Mm. Like I was doing it wrong. That's how I think of yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah, right. Yeah, I was yeah. doing it wrong. So boom, my pricing got better. Then my timing got better. Remember, they all got due dates. So I was submitting them 
after the due date. Mm. I didn't have no computer for real. Like, I was all jacked up. I was just working with what I had. So my pricing, my timing got better, but more importantly, my communication got better. Because every contract has a contract specialist. Most people don't even communicate with them people. I communicated with them because I didn't know nothing. Okay, what's the definition of this word? I will call them. Okay, why do I need to sign this document? I will call them. So I started to notice the more and more I called, the more information they was, they was actually teaching me how to do it as I'm going through it, right? They ain't even know. So I started to document the things that I was doing and saying and the responses I was getting back. And then I won my first one. The first one I won, it was for 125 bucks to me. Of a man. And they done took that value away. Um, He got into it with Dr. Umar Johnson. Yeah, he a fraud too. That yeah. well, Dr. Umar Johnson? Yeah, man, y'all know he a fraud. Y'all kind of preach some of the same things though. Well, I ain't begging for money. See, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, now I ain't saying a nigga don't say no real shit, but man, he done been caught with a stripper hoe. Uh, he been begging for money about a school he ain't got built. Uh, yeah, man, he, he went off on a rampage one time. They thought the nigga was crazy, crazy. Uh, no, man, uh, I ain't done none of that, homie. Yeah, man, I ain't had a, I ain't flopped yet. Let me just say, yeah, I ain't flopped, I ain't, I ain't flopped yet, man. Yeah, they got to at least let me flop before they, yeah, bash me. But yeah, I ain't flopped yet. But Kevin Samuel and Dr. Umar Johnson, homie, uh, man, they playing on us with that shit, man. Neither one of these men... <clears throat> man, we, man... We just watched white folks go to the U.S. Capitol and storm the Capitol. We watched white, we watched fat white men climb walls. Oh, man, they kill people. Man, them people went up there and done something we ain't never saw ever before in our time of living. And these are the men that I work Exactly, you know, what messages do you be trying to get out there? Uh, right now, homie, on the internet, I'm all, I'm all character, right? I'm all character and entertainment. <coughs> Excuse me. In real life, uh, I really work with children. And I ain't got to be a character, right? The character just expanded my platform. So, uh... Ten years I've been working in the community. Nigga, now I'm just, uh, now I'm like what they call, I'm retiring. I'm burnt out. <laughs> now uh, I'm transitioning from being a community guy to entertainment character, YouTube, uh, comedian. And while I'm doing this, connecting people to programs as I travel from city to city. Uh, and people like yourself. Hey, man, you know anybody work with youth programs? Here, I got the youth program. So somebody interview me, homie. They don't just get a, a interview. They get a guy that can give you youth program to help this person over here. Uh, we got a trucking company. You know somebody with a trucking. You know so. 
Uh, so now, nah, homie, right now I'm just playing for the for the movie deal I done got. Uh, so this shit done went Hollywood and and and, and entertainment and celebrity now. So uh, fuck the community, my people, shit, nigga. I did it for ten years. I'm tired. I'm ready to retire. <laughs> Let another motherfucker take over. Plus, motherfuckers like Malcolm X. Martin Luther King, them niggas died broke with that community shit. <laughs> Everybody talking that my community shit. The kind of respect that, the appropriate attitude of non-specialists uh, to specialists ought to be one of respect. Not, um, uh, uh, not in necessarily enthusiasm, you shouldn't always accept what the expert says is to be as true, but you should be respectful of what they know and you don't. Um, and I think that that is an ongoing, unless you take great pains as a society to constantly um, reinforce that idea that experts deserve our respect, experts will not get respect. You're seeing, a, you're seeing a, this is on display right now, right? You have a group of lawmakers who have no respect for the expertise of uh, the economics profession. I literally saw a guy on TV the other day, some lawmaker from somewhere, who's like, I don't know anything about economics. I'll, you know, I know something about what it takes to run a household or something. This is a guy who's in Congress. I mean, it's, that's, <laughs> that's problematic, right? Um, but you, there has to be a kind of... Um, uh, we, this is something that you, you can't ever let up on enforcing that as a core ethic in a, in a technologically complex society. Uh, expertise is at the heart of all progress, right? And you have to create the social conditions under which expertise is respected. And if you let, if, if you let down your guard at all on that, crazy things start to happen. You have people running around saying that they don't want to vaccinate their children, and you have people running around saying that it's fine if we defaulted in two weeks. And we have, you know, there's this kind of madness that will, that will, take, that will take, take over. So that's a, I mean, that's a, not an answer to the question because it's really hard to inculcate that, but the people in this room are, and me, we're all, we're the people who have to do that kind of work. Makes sense. Um, why don't folks start lining up uh, at the mics? I think we have one out here. Uh, if you want to ask a question, uh, but I, I'll keep going on until uh, until you do. Um, as you think about all all the work that you have done, has there been an insight or two that you have captured that's really profoundly shaped your own behavior, your own life? Uh, that's interesting. Um, I, uh, well, I, the book that, Blink, my second book was the book that affected my, uh, it so profoundly undermined my belief in my own capacity to make good decisions that I feel I floundered for several years after um, but in all kinds of ways, 
I just came away from that book um, realizing that the degree to which our um, th th that we massively underestimate the role of the irrational in our own lives. Um, and we're constantly making up stories that make it sound to ourselves like we're behaving in a logical, commonsensical manner, and we're simply not. Um, you know, the some guy, I, one of the guys I run with is a social psychologist, and he was telling me about this study that was done in recently where that looked at the um, how the um, the willingness of a judge to grant parole varied by the time of day. So right before lunch, judges are really, really crabby and don't grant parole at all. And then when they come back from lunch, their rates soar, right? That's the kind of thing where I would imagine that if you lined up all the criminal judges in America and you told them that, they would dispute that so vigorously, right? They're convinced that they approach every case the same, and yet you do the simplest analysis and you discover a very disturbing um, uh, pattern. Now, you know, maybe some part of that is artifactual, who knows? But it, it certainly merits some um, investigation, right? Well, I feel like there's that there's versions of that everywhere, and we're so resistant to kind of acknowledging that about our lives. Um, Great. Why don't we take one of the audience questions? Um, so I was really fascinated by your zeitgeist talk about elite institutions and thinking if we take Google as a potential elite institution. I'm curious your thoughts on the potential damage we may be doing to ourselves and our employees, because not everyone here can be the superstar. And yet most of the people coming here were superstars before. Yeah. So I'm curious if you have any research or thoughts yeah. on the impact of that for organizations. Yeah, so this is a very interesting question. So how do you restructure organizations such that you minimize the psychological damage of people at the bottom of the hierarchy? So one way is to limit the notion of hierarchy. Right? So what is the thing that is so toxic about uh, elite colleges in science and math programs is that necessarily there is a hierarchy. You give out grades, and you know where you rank, and you're in a classroom setting where you're all trying to do the same thing so you can easily compare yourself to your peers and know whether you're behind or... That, those conditions don't necessarily apply in the workplace. It's possible to construct workplaces that don't have the toxic element of hierarchy to the same degree, right? That's the... We shouldn't give grades then at Google? Well, I don't know how you... I don't know how you... No, I mean, it wouldn't be as explicit as grades, but I'm saying that there are... You can organize a workplace in a... thought that they love the content because right. they was clicking the crap out of it. So they was like, yo... This is it. This is the content. But you manufactured it. I was, yo, I, yo, I'll post one post. I'll go to sleep, wake up to three grand. When Facebook hit, the numbers tripled. Wow. Because 
Okay, you're driving traffic to this website, and you just, I guess, maybe it's like an order form or something like that where you can just put a, your just ad a blog, banner. regular blog. And they'll just pay for the ad placement. That's it. Dang, that's crazy. All right, so explain the parody accounts. So a parody account is basically a fan account, a role plan account. I'm pretending to be Will Farrell speaking in his voice. And as I'm speaking in his voice, the people see his profile, and then they made me put parody. Twitter made me put parody account on there. I'm like all my accounts got suspended. They said I was impersonating people. Man. I put fan accounts, but it was like, nah, that ain't good enough. Put parody accounts. Let them know your role plan. So they deleted all my accounts, gave them back, told me to put parody on there. And then it was just like me acting 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 like I was Will Ferrell. And it, it was to the point where they would say, yo, Will Ferrell, you need to be like this Will Ferrell. <laughs> because Will Ferrell don't have all day to sit there right, and right. make you laugh all day. So right. Angelina Jolie, she did love quotes. Will Ferrell, I had him cracking jokes. Um, I had Jay-Z, he was inspirational. Will Smith was inspirational. Hey. Yeah, yeah. And it just built them all up to millions of followers. So is that, was that play doing the same thing with the, the ad traffic or was that for another purpose? No, that was all solely based on the ad traffic. Because the more followers I had, the more money I was making. Yeah. So it was to the point where every time I refresh, I go up like fifty dollars, hundred dollars, fifty dollars. Like I just keep refreshing. Bro, it's so crazy because today people can't figure out how to turn their followers into money. Yeah, and you've been doing it for yeah. a decade now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Can you help me make some money? That's easy. Okay, what would the be? What would be the first thing you had me do? So if I had you make money. The first thing I would do is figure out a product that fit your brand the most. Okay. But what I would do is I'd test at least 30 products at one time. How? Would I have to post 30 products? I would do it through Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Oh. So coming from my account, we'll run it. I wouldn't do it on your account yet. I'll test the model first. I'll test all the products, right? You can get products. you can get products on AliExpress. You can get products, you know. Oh, you actually get the physical product in just to see if the product is good. Exactly. Got it. You want to make sure it's a viral product, right? You can take products, test it out, test the market out, see what hits the best based on what you feel is best for your brand. Gotcha. So you test 20, 30 products out, test them all at one time, give them like small budgets, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, and then whichever one rise to the top based on return on investment, ROI, then I'll literally take that one product and then I'll repackage it around my brand. Mm. So once you repackage it around your brand, you can tell the same manufacturer to 
alter that product to make it yours now. And now you have your own product. You have a manufacturer. You have everything you need Mm. to make sure that your your product is actually going to hit. Because you tested it already. It's proven. You're not going to the market guessing what people want. The last thing you want to do is guess what people want. You want to know based on data. You could know, but see. You want to make sure. We'll be a good product. Through analytics. We'll be a good product for me. I mean, if you had a product, I would test glasses. I would see, I would based, based on who you are, I would probably test hat. You always wear the hat backwards. I would test glasses, okay? I would test, like, a workbook, all right, to write notes from your podcast. I would test— Just a regular, like a notebook, like a like a structure Structure based on how your podcast is set up. So I would have morning meetup notes, right? Oh. I would have—I would have— you know, um, social proof. Whatever, however you structure it, you might have a book of the day, right? So, like, on every page, you'll have, you know, morning meetup. Like, you'll map out the day, social proof, boom, podcast for that time. So, you're training them on how you want them to actually be and think and move throughout the oh day. And then right at the end, you can put, like, affirmations, right? You can put a book of the day, what did what did you learn from that book from that day? Like, you know, I'm just off the top of my head, but that's something I would do. That would be another product. I would think of or just different, def, definitely a digital product. You know, repurpose what you're You've saying. You've done this multiple times. Yeah, I do this all the time. Like, I, it's easy. Can we partner on something? What you try to look? Well, I don't know. What would I have to do? Okay, so let me ask what I... Would I have to, like, be a client or, like, can we partner on something? So, can this is what happened. So, I created my agency, Awazar, right? And I used to do service-based business. And now I just, I don't take anybody. Like, I got a waiting list over 100 people. Because I was, do I think I'm smart? Define smart. Like... Like the strategic thinker, just like just the 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 smartest person in the room. No, I'm not the smartest. I feel like I I I don't feel like I'm. um, I honestly don't feel like I'm that smart in terms of Mm -hmm. like. um, In I don't know I don't I can't say not intelligent, but there's some things that my mind just doesn't process. So right now. I still don't 100% understand how you monetize Twitter, even though you told me. And my mind's trying to follow it. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, okay, you send people to the banner, but do they pay? And you systematize. That's why I feel like you just, you look, you see things in pictures. So Wait, in terms can of- Can you clearly define see things in pictures? All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it. And we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So 
It's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together our community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay, thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So for instance, um, I had a friend. Um, he was never afraid to talk to women. Uh, that was always my thing. I was just, I always take the friend. I just know going into a situation, I'm going to take the friend. It's all good. But in his head, he knows how this thing's going to work out. Right. It's almost like a visionary. From- Visionary from walking up, what he's going to say, what she's going to say, how it's going to go, his rebuttal, where they're going to go later. But that's based on experience. That's all that is. You can predict the future where you know what you know. Mm. And that's what happened with your boy. He done been through it so many times, he can already predict the next move. The thing is, I think, so for instance, in these interviews, I never know how they're going to go. We've done uh, hundreds, over hundreds of joints. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like, even like if if I'm building a business, it's always like a real organic thing. Like, we didn't run no ads to the morning meetup. We have like hundreds and hundreds of people in it. But literally, day to day, I'm just focusing on delivering today. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to get into it now. I look at the numbers and analytics, stuff like that. But I just don't, I don't know if I'll put the whole play together in my head. I just keep walking. Like, remember I asked you, I, okay, I got this product and this product, and I don't know what to do. You're like, well, okay, structure it this way, put it in the funnel. This is you're going to run traffic today. And, like, and even after the call, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. And then I hang up. I was like, hold on, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at my notes like, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm saying like smart. But you told me something we was at a restaurant um, where you were like, yo, you don't even have to be smart. You mm-hmm. said something like that earlier mm-hmm. today. Explain that. Do you remember? Yeah. No, I feel like people focus on the wrong thing to be wealthy. And the reality is if you focus on certain key elements, key points, you can accomplish that. One is relationships. If you can master relationships, you'll get opportunities that the normal person would never get because they don't have the relationship. Mm. The second thing is making sure you have the drive to do it, being persistent and consistent. Those three, being consistent and persistent with the right networking skills to build relationships, the people skills, with those three is a combination for wealth. Dang, that's crazy. It's easy. And then 
by you knowing this information. That joint just hit me. You can utilize it in a way where you have the ups on anybody you meet because, or that's trying to do the same thing you're trying to do because you understand that that's what you need. Because the information is going to come based on a relationship. If right now I wanted to start Let's say an e-com brand, and I knew nothing about e-commerce. I can call one of my relationship 